Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, welcome to the Spill Your Snackable daily podcast for your pop culture fix. Hi, I'm Laura Brodnick, Mamma Mia's entertainment editor. And I'm Key Reese. I work at Social Squad, Mamma Mia's in-house social media agency. And I've got a bit of a grumpy Laura Brodnick here today who's just broken her lovely earring and can't get over it. I just feel like you're not taking this seriously. Those are my favourite earrings and now I look unfinished. I can't face anyone in the office today. What on earth will you do to survive? I don't have the kind of face that can be supported without a fringe and earrings. That I just is need not to know true. That. It's true. Oh my Lord. On the show today, Paris Jackson has a new documentary series out So what does she reveal about the pressures to live up to the Jackson family legacy? I'm a Jackson. It makes sense that I'm a musician, but like a Jackson doing folk indie. What? And the new Babysitter's Club series is out on Netflix tomorrow. So why are adults losing their minds over a kid's show? But to kick off the show today, yesterday, Bachelorette couple Angie Kent and Carlin Sterrett confirmed what many fans had suspected now for weeks. With Angie taking to Instagram stories to end weeks of speculation, she wrote, We have not wanted to confirm until this point because there have been much bigger issues going on in the world and we've both been taking space to think about what we really want. She went on to say that matters of the heart are extremely difficult and I'm sad to say that Carlin and I have broken up. Hours later, Carlin then took to his Instagram stories, posting a series of videos. It is true that Angie and I have gone our separate ways. Um, but you know what? It's it's for the best for us individually and simply just wanting the best for her and wanting the best for me. And being the best version of yourself is very important. And as some people already knew from previous posts, my mental health had taken a bit of a left turn. Um, and I just simply wasn't the best version of myself or able to give the best version of me to Angie. Um, But again, I wish her well. And guys, just please, just be kind. Everyone is battling something that you may never understand or even see. It's quite sad, isn't it? But just to to lighten the mood a little bit in the series of stories and I mean this in the nicest way and I'm pro I don't know where you're going with this but okay (laughs) I'm pro whatever cosmetic surgery you want to get but when I saw Angie's statement I raced over to his profile to Carlin's profile and was skipping through his stories and like only three slides before he was like getting his lips done and then and then three slides later he's like opening up about his breakup and I just thought I mean that is what a wild day (laughs) that is the roller coaster of the Instagram stories they can go from light to shade very quickly so right and apparently Angie's come out today with a few more quotes. Yeah, so she's given another interview to the Daily Telegraph and this is, it's an interesting thing because I think out of so many of the couples that have come out of the Bachelor and Bachelorette franchise, these two really dug their heels in when it came to the speculation around their relationship because this started back in like early June when they, remember how they unfollowed each other on Instagram? Yes, and then they said the it was Instagram a, glitch. And they said it was just a glitch even though that's not a thing that happens on Instagram and then they, un, they followed each other again and then unfollowed and they were kind of like not responding to comments as 
all this speculation. And I feel like they just thought if they didn't talk about it, it would just go away. Now they've had to bite the bullet and put these statements out. Um, But Angie's given a bit more of it. Even though she said in her original post she wouldn't be giving any further details, I think she's realised that the the publicity around this is not going to stop for quite a while until, uh, unfortunately, everyone sucked every bit of juice out of this story that they can. So in a interview with the Daily Telegraph, she kind of hints that the breakup was a lot darker behind the scenes, Mm. I would say, than at first kind of the than we first thought. So she says, our values didn't align. Both Carl and I will never give personal details. And then goes on to kind of talk about how it was not not unhealthy, but go on to say that, you know, he really hint that things were a lot worse behind the scenes than we first thought. Yeah, and saying that um, chemistry doesn't always equal compatibility, yes. which I feel like everyone knew that. Did we not? What, just in the case of them or just in No, 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 like as in, in just relationships in general. <laughs> did we know that I think because I mean there's been a lot of talk about the fact that they moved in together and then he was actually documenting him his move to a studio in Sydney and so that's kind of also sparked Mm. the rumors and stuff so I don't know it's hard to say like maybe their relationship I mean I feel gross even talking about this but the thing is their relationship was on TV like the whole nation kind of bought into it and And our interest in it only comes from a good place like we're we're invested because they were really like we thought that they'd be really cute together but I also think that not saying anything I get why you wouldn't want to say anything or give too many details because it is a private relationship but the speculation just grows I'm like just do one of those weird celebrity like joint statements which kind of allude to things but Mm. don't so much or a breakup photo shoot remember when Blake Garvey and it was Louise yes who did a breakup photo shoot and it was in I feel like it was a new idea I feel like I had to write a story about that at the time the only reason I know this and they had all the breakup photo and the story, so it was so pre-planned and so kind of set out. But I don't really know if that's quite the way to go. Well, it kind of just, like, after they did do that, it kind of just, everyone moved on, the new cycle did moved they, on. Did they, though? So, I don't know. <laughs> a little bit. I just feel like, I mean, we wish Andy and Cullen all the best, obviously, but I feel like if they're both going to continue on these paths of working in the influencer space and and kind of being personalities, then the flip side of that is, unfortunately, that people are going to want to know about their private life and there's just really no way around that. Yesterday, docu-series Unfiltered, Paris Jackson and Gabrielle Glenn premiered on Facebook Watch. In the first episode, we meet Paris and her boyfriend Gabe as they launch their band, The Sound Flowers. And this is alongside kind of understanding the pressures that they're living up to or that she really specifically is living up to with regards to the Jackson family legacy. Paris, of course, being the daughter of wildly successful and wildly problematic pop star Michael Jackson. I just wanted to say, speak up, sweetheart, speak up. Ever since I was born, Daddy has been the best father you could ever imagine. And I just wanted to say I love him so much. Eleven years, and I've been through hell. Whether it was him passing or all the shit that's happened to me in my life, if I don't talk about it or if I don't put it in my music, it's gonna completely ruin my life and it's gonna own me. 
So that is how her um, the first episode of her Facebook Watch series kicks off with that really infamous footage of her as a really young girl standing. It was her father's televised funeral. There's a stadium full of people and she just completely breaks down on stage and then it flashes forward to um, Paris Jackson who is now 22 years old sitting in a recording studio and just kind of talking about the fact that as much as she didn't want to because she's been so notoriously private up until now and the fact that this show is so unfiltered and gets so much into her personal life you can really see I don't know it's just it's a really strange thing to watch a girl who grew up in the spotlight now put herself into the spotlight in this way yeah, it was a bit unnerving to watch. It made me feel like I shouldn't be watching. Yes. But it, she's leading it. So I, it's completely fine that I'm watching this. But it felt almost like an invasion of privacy just because that family is so kind of insular. They don't really want any more publicity because they are one of the most famous families on the planet. It, obviously, it's starting off with the history of the family, but they really dig into the fact that he was an amazing, he, as in Michael Jackson, was an amazing father and really establishing that quite early on. And then really kind of opening up um, PK, as she likes to be called, Paris mm. Michael Jackson. Sorry, Paris Michael Catherine Jackson. I learned I was I learned that just so I could show off to you. Laura. Oh, did you? Because you always uh, do the middle names, and I'm always like, oh, I wish I could do that. <laughs> um, and then they really hone in on the fear that she has about being a musician and how long it took her to really come out and say that. And she opens up about the pressure and really feeling like she's living in the shadows. And how would she make folk music as a as a Jackson? Yeah, it's a it's a kind of a weird entry to have into the world now in light of what we know after shows like Leaving Neverland yes. and the court cases and the statements from um, young boys who allege they were assaulted by Michael Jackson as kids. And it's kind of like widely thought now that people don't like to play his music anymore and his legacy has very much turned around. They don't touch on that at all in this. No. You're right, it's a very strong narrative. He was the best father ever. He was amazing. The world thinks that we're not even entering into anything else, which I guess is his daughter is fair enough. But in a way, she I thought how she talked about her romance because – as much as it's been built off her because she's the big name, Gabe Glenn, her boyfriend of two years, is also a really kind of big player in this whole thing. And Paris talks a lot about the fact that she never thought, like she jumped straight into their relationship of how they met and how they fed hell over heels. They lived in a van together for months after they'd been together for a week and and he's kind of the first person she's ever felt like home with. And she also gets into the fact too that she never thought she'd end up with a man because she's mostly dated women before and that was always her kind of preference. And then she goes on to say that she's shocked. She kind of talks about her own coming out story, which is something she's never touched on before. And the fact that the, um, the world doesn't know that she's been in these relationships with women and that her father, Michael Jackson, was really supportive of it. But then she felt shamed by it when she moved into her grandmother's house after he passed away because she said that the fact that she was gay or bisexual would not be accepted at all. Yeah, because Catherine Jackson is a devout um, Jehovah's Witness. And also within the black community where homosexuality is just not, it's, it's forbidden, it's not allowed at all. So I thought that that was so telling though, like of... You can see how for for everything that was going on and crazy in her life as a young child, she seemed relatively normal. Like he, Michael Jackson, did protect his children quite a lot, and obviously was wildly supportive behind the scenes of something. Even you know, like your sexuality, a lot of um, parents' kids aren't like that. And then moving into 
um, care with her grandmother and obviously she has suffered the death of her father but also having to suppress her sexuality, you can really start to understand just how hard it was for her in the years since. Yeah, and it's something that she kind of touches on. When she's talking about her relationship, it's in this documentary. It's just a throwaway line. But she talks about the fact that when I went into treatment the first time, her brother Prince Michael, her older brother, joined the Gay Straight Alliance Club to kind of understand her more. And then it's it's so because like so much of this um the first episode of this series is her going to like events where she's you know lauded as like Elizabeth Taylor's goddaughter and she's going to like Motown celebrations and all these industry insiders and and footage never before seen footage of Michael Jackson taking her to concerts at show and it's all and like you see her in the recording studio singing this music and it's also heightened but at the same time she talks a lot about the fact that she's been in treatment many times and she also says a line towards the end which is not a throwaway line but it's said very casually where she's like yeah I've tried to kill myself many times and kind of talked about that and I just think it's a kind of a a strange way like obviously you want to be open about mental health but I just thought it was a strange way for her like the family's been every time the news headlines come up that she's been taken to hospital or she's gone to rehab or she's tried to end her own life and all these other horrific things that she's been through in her life she's been very protected and now she's just talking about very openly in this documentary like it's I'm not saying it's a bad thing but it's, it's definitely whiplash yeah I get what you mean I found it really striking when you said that she is 20 too and just seeing her when she is doing um, that scene where she's talking about her sexuality she's lying on a couch just swigging from an alcohol bottle just like so and it's just so candid and I'm just like this is literally I've, I've seen this before mm-hmm. I've seen this this kind of ca- not character but I've seen this before of a young you know child star or someone that's been in the public eye for that long and it just seems to be the same route that they go down and I just really hope that she is okay and I hope that she's got the right people in her lives looking out for her. Yeah, exactly. It's not the kind of documentary you can just sit back and chill. There's a lot of different factors happening there. So if you want to go watch the first episode, it's on Facebook Watch. And, yeah, there's definitely a lot a lot of drama in that first episode. Say hello to your friends. Babysitter's Club. It is the beloved kids book series by Anne M. Martin and the top pick of the Scholastic Book Catalogue for many young'uns in the 90s and early thousands. Hello me. Um, So you can imagine my delight when I found out that A, Laura Brodnick, you too are a massive fan of the books and B, Netflix was releasing a 10 episode adaption this Friday. We have been so excited to talk about this today. Yes, us and every other adult woman in their 30s, 40s in the world, I think. Because that's the interesting thing about this is that Netflix has put this together and released it as this kind of amazing kids offering. And kids, and not even kids offering, but kind of like young adult, which yeah. is a really hard niche to fill. Because as we know, the youngins, they're not into the TV these days. They're, they're into the YouTube. They're into the YouTubes, they're into the TikToks and probably some other platform we don't even know about. So this is kind of like, this is a way to get them in because this use this is the one of the biggest kids franchise in the world. So far, it's coming out tomorrow, but so far all the reviewers and people who had a look at this first series, it's just adults losing their minds over it. And not just adult women, but adult men. In a really interesting turn of events, um, Richard Lawson, who I've talked about before, who's the head critic of Vanity Fair, notoriously not kind of into, you know, female-fronted projects, I would say, or kind of anything a bit frothy, has just written a glowing adaption of this, calling it near-perfect television. Wow, that's because, massive. Yeah, exactly. And then all it's been retweeted by all these male critics as well, but again, all in their 30s and 40s who were kind of would have been kids at the time. So I feel like this is just this new type of nostalgia that's arrived on Netflix. Yeah. 
that. And I feel like it has a lot to do with timing because I think at the moment there are just a lot of things going on in the world that we want to turn yeah, we into We want to revert back to the babysitter's yeah. club. We want to go back to a simpler time when we didn't have to worry about so many things. Well, not worry, but just be so affected by so many things. And I was really, I did really love the books as a kid and I love like the um, movie that came out, but I was really worried because it is jumping two decades into 2020 I was really worried about how they were going to integrate technology into it because kids kids are all over technology now it's like if you don't if you're not letting your kid play with technology they're falling behind so it's definitely such a part of like our culture but I and I felt like would it lose its specialness? Would it lose its warmth? But it really didn't. They did it so well. Yeah, the stakes were very high because there's over 200 books in the series. They kicked off in 1986. Can I just say Laura Hand counted these? <laughs> I did. Nowhere. There was no definitive list of how many Babysitter's Club books. I had to go to every different Wikipedia page and add them up. And I realised I haven't read the last three. Is it weird if I go buy them? Well, look, because you know what? Last... You know what you're getting for Christmas? <laughs> the last three babies. I might have technically aged out when the last three were published. And apparently... Apparently, the very last one, for anyone who doesn't know this, is them actually graduating from middle middle school, which was always a sticking point in the books because they had like 50 Christmases, 50 Halloweens, 50 yes. summers, but they were always 13. But apparently, they they kind of do age out of that. That's the other thing, interesting point about the TV series is that they actually do look like kids, whereas yes. in the TV series, which was in 1990, great series, by the way, very good theme song, um, they were play, they were kind of they looked about 16. And then in the movie, which came out in 1995, it had a lot of kind of teen stars at the time like Rachel Lee Cook and Larissa Olnick who played Alex Mack in the Adventure yeah. Time. Yeah, classic TV show. So they also seemed a bit older but in this because the actresses are quite young they actually look like kids. Kids who shouldn't be babysitting other kids but that's yeah. besides the point. Still a lot of questions around that. But <laughs> I also liked kind of the care they really took with making sure that we had something that grounded us in the series and, and like kind of made us feel warm and that was Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> Alicia Silverstone is in there I think because as much as they're saying like this is for a new generation and we're going to get the kids back onto Netflix Part of them knew, the women who did this, Rachel Shakart and Lucia Analo, who did Glow and Broad City. So oh, that's, why wow. the, that's why it's so sharp and funny yeah. and so feminist because it's got these two amazing female showrunners behind it. I think they put Alicia Silverstone in there because they're like, you know what? The older gals are going to be watching yes. this and they're going to want to see Cher. But being a mum, she's Christy's mum, which know. just blows my mind. But it, it, it really helped. Like, And that was the first episode. It was like, boom, there she is. And I was like, thank you so much. I really needed that. That's making me feel okay. <laughs> and then it was like I just went from there because I felt safe and secure mm. with Alicia Silverstone holding my hand through the first um, episodes. I just feel like I don't think any kids listen to us. But kids, if you're listening, go watch The Babysitter's <laughs> Club and read the books. I'm going to go buy the rest of them. I'll lend them to you. Or if you have kids, watch it with your watch kids. Watch them with your kids. It is yes. not like having to watch the shark song over and over. This is a great It's really funny show. and really interesting. And Alicia Silverstone. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. You can get in contact with us by emailing us at thespill at mamamia.com.au. If you have any recommendations, any topic suggestions, shoot us an email. The Spill was produced by Hannah Bowman. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye.